shot what appears to be a dynamite sound. I am a blessed man of God, and the Lord has blessed me to do the things that I do. And so nothing just happens in my life. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to season two of the Red Herring Podcast. I know it's been a little minute, but I'm back. I'm in full swing. I'm ready to do this thing. I uh, just want to thank y'all for being patient. A lot of y'all reached out to me over the last couple months asking for another episode. I want to say a lot, a lot of you, maybe like 20 of you. So, but I appreciate the 20 who do it. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to change the flow up to this, uh, this season. Uh, I'm going to record more often. Um, I think I only did like six episodes in season one. So, um, the goal this year is, uh, to try to do an episode a week. Um, I think I have enough content right now, um, with everything going, we're going to hit on more this season than just social issues. Um, I I wanted to hit on more paranormal stuff last year and, um, also some, um, just, just other topics in general. Um, but due to a lot of the, uh, social events that happened last summer, uh, I I felt like it was more appropriate to talk about the, the situations at hand. So, um, but this this, this year, like I say, this season is going to be more uh, more content, more different areas. Um, there will be some paranormal things. Uh, I've been building some content for that. So we will go forward with, uh, I think like about once a month, we'll do like a paranormal episode. So that'll just be basically um, any episodes that or um, any stories that people kind of like submit to me or, you know, tell me or, you know, that we talk about. Um, I'll, try, I'll just try to translate those into the pod. Um, if I read some stories online, I'm trying to figure Reddit out still. So if any of y'all are like Reddit experts, you know, please hit me up. Uh, you know, because it's, it's a little different than than Twitter. But um, so I'm trying to build content through there. Um, I, everybody knows I'm a big Marvel guy. I love movies, you know. So um, and Marvel's got the TV shows coming out. So the plan is every week. Uh, today, right now, I'm recording and it's Friday. So every every Friday, there's going to be a pretty much every Friday is going to be a Marvel um, TV show episode. So I'll be covering that. Like this morning, I just watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So this episode, we're going to break down uh, not just Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode one. You know, talk about it, discuss it, tell you kind of some of the things that I feel like uh, where the show is going to go this season. But we're also going to discuss WandaVision. WandaVision is finished. Hopefully, if you're listening to this by now, you've uh, you know you've watched WandaVision. And also, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League just came out. I think it was yesterday, the day before. So I'm going to discuss that too. Like my my initial reaction to it, some things I like, some things I didn't. So this episode primarily will be all nerd content. My last episode of season one was like a DC Marvel episode. So this is kind of, you know, picking up off of that momentum. So it's still going to be, like I say, comic based, movie based, TV based. Um, But, you know, that's just this episode. Not every episode is going to be like that. If you like this episode, of course, you know, subscribe subscribe share hit me up do all that but uh like i said going forward there's going to be a lot more content uh we're going to do, be doing more interviews i got a couple of people that are slated to show up on the pod actually the dude who produced the track that you're hearing is the background music he's going to be on one of the episodes this season he's got an album coming out stay tuned for that and um so yeah we're just going to you know dive on into this week's episode so first things first i want to break down the justice league snyder cut um, not really do a breakdown, but I just want to tell you, you know, coming up some of the raw emotions that I felt watching it. Um, I, I say a lot of times that I'm a Marvel guy, but I, I often try to clarify that I'm, I'm not just Marvel. Um, I'm Marvel and DC. I, I love both. Um, so I want the success of both companies. I, I want that to be very clear. I, I, I benefit from it. Y'all benefit from it. So it makes sense to get good content from both parties. 
Having said that, there hasn't been a slew of good content from DC in a long time. And I think I said that in the last episode as well. You know, it's it's very hit or miss. So uh, the story behind this Justice League, uh, I, I've actually, a bunch of people have already asked me this. So uh, I figured it might be a question that a lot of people have. So some people asked me if it was supposed to be a sequel, uh, what was going on. So if you don't know, um, Zack Snyder, of course, is the director for Justice League. He uh, directed Man of Steel, did Batman vs. Superman, and then was finishing his trilogy with the Justice League. During production of Justice League, Zack Snyder's, I believe it was his daughter, um, died. And I think that's why the end of the Justice League Snyder Cut says for Autumn. So his daughter died um, in the middle of filming. I think they were like 50% through, maybe maybe less than 50% through with the movie. So they kind of just stopped shooting for a while, you know, out of respect for, you know, his daughter. But Warner Brothers was kind of like concerned, you know, they wanted to get the product out of there. You know, they they wanted to get the movie going because Marvel is knocking them out left and right. They need to get Justice League out because they're trying to, you know, they're trying to compete with Marvel, which is completely understandable. You know what I mean? So they think, OK, we need to get a director in here to finish the movie. Now, that's not new. You know, a, a lot of movies will, will do that from time to time. You know, if, if, the, if the project is big enough and there's potential for it to basically bring in enough revenue or, you know, it's essential to a storyline that they're, you know, trying to make. Sometimes a director will, you know, back out of a film and then you'll bring in another director basically to finish it. So you'll you'll usually have two people with directing credits on a film or, you know, at least uh, maybe a main director than like a. Uh, uh, executive producer credit or something but so this isn't this isn't a, a new thing so they're thinking who are we going to get to you know replace Zack Snyder to finish Justice League so um, I don't know how many directors they thought of but I know quickly they turned to Joss Whedon and Joss Whedon is the guy who directed Avengers 1 and 2 uh, Avengers and then Avengers Age of Ultron he was Marvel's guy for a minute um, and then of course you know Marvel wants things done a certain way some directors don't want to do certain things so they just kind of like part ways so Joss Whedon directs Avengers it was very successful um, basically started the whole superhero ensemble you know mashup film um, and it, it just showed you know critics and showed uh, fans that hey this is possible you know you can have multiple uh, multiple heroes from multiple films basically join forces and it is a perfect film for the most part so they bring him on to do justice league now the problem is joss whedon and Zack snyder just like almost every director in the world they all have you know unique styles for the most part you know it's a certain certain feel you know feel to it um if i watch a christopher nolan movie you know i, I can just tell it's a christopher nolan film his the, the cinematography the score um certain plot devices certain characters certain um actors and actresses they just feel Christopher Nolan-esque so you can just tell at the same token I can watch you know any movie I can watch a Spielberg movie I can watch a Quentin Tarantino movie and I can almost tell you that hey this is who directs it because you can just tell by the feel of the film Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon have two completely different feels where Zack Snyder is more grounded in realism and grittiness in the hard-nosed side of, of fantasy and comic books Joss Whedon is more of the comical um, you know, humorous type of director. So you have two styles of directing that are basically clashing and it's not, it's not ideal. You know, if you're going to replace Zack Snyder with someone, you kind of want maybe someone he's worked with, you know, often, maybe someone like David Fincher, or someone like that, maybe, you know, someone who just feels like a, a Zack Snyder. So you get these two contrasting directing styles 
and a lot of studio interference. Uh, Warner Brothers, again, they're trying to put out the perfect product. They're trying to compete with Marvel, you know, and, and that's 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 uh, it's a good goal to have to be like Marvel. You know, you don't want to admit that you want to be like your enemy, but it's a good goal to have because almost every film that comes out is making a billion dollars. You know, that that's pretty good. I don't know if y'all understand how much of a billion dollars is, but that's pretty successful for a film. So DC is not really touching that. I think they hit that with Wonder Woman. I think they hit it with something else too. But consistently, they're not hitting you know billion dollar marks. And I don't think they had hit a billion before a Justice League had come out. So when a studio interferes too much, if the film itself becomes a shell of what it could be. You know, when, when you're a director, and I, I you know I love film. I don't just want. I don't just love watching film. I love you know taking film. I love you know taking you know shots, building up shots. I love it. I love the art behind it, right? So if I'm assigned to do a film, right? If I'm assigned, if you know they call me, that they they have a contractual obligation for me to film this film. I want it to feel like an art project from myself. You know, I, I want to put myself in the film. I want to make it where you know this this film is a reflection of of me. So what happened with Justice League is the studio didn't really let either director have too much of a, of a say in how the movie was going to go. So they direct, you know, Zack Snyder directed his piece. Josh Whedon basically directs his piece. They match it together and the studio cuts this, cuts that, cuts this, says, don't do it like this, do it like this, put this person in this instead, take this character out, yada, yada, yada. So then they push out Justice League and it is a dumpster fire it's trash the pacing is off character development is very limited uh the story is inconsistent it relies heavily on cgi that even though marvel relies heavily on cgi that the cgi is a little cleaner it's a little sharper so even thanos like you don't believe there's really a 10 foot purple you know big behind bodybuilding alien walking around but when you watch infinity war it, it seems like there could be the the cgi seems more seamless what we got with justice league was the cgi mess it was just really overdone there were subplots that didn't need to be added it was just it was a lot and not only was it a mess you know in that aspect you also had to bring back henry cavill to do reshoots as superman and at the time he had moved on to be a mission impossible so he had grew this beautiful this beautiful luxurious mustache if y'all haven't seen the mission impossible movie with with henry cavill the thing was the last one i forgot what it was called but um it's a beautiful mustache you know I, I don't grow thick mustaches i grow thick beards but the mustache was a nice touch it, it it was it was it was a mustache of mustaches but he his character it was essential for his character in mission impossible to have the mustache well superman in this movie ain't got no mustache so they couldn't shave it off they decided uh you know since you can't shave it because it's essential for the other movie that he's contractually obligated to be in that they were going to cgi uh, his lip and uh, and basically use CGI to take away the mustache. It sounds in theory okay, that shouldn't be too hard, but you can't think about it, man. A mustache is you know millions of hair follicles, thousands or whatever. Don't correct me, I'm probably wrong, but it's a lot of hair follicles, right? And when you when you want to do something seamless like that, it takes a lot of work. So they actually spent a couple million more dollars in visual effects just to clean up the mustache, and even that looked so bad. It looked like his lip was tucked, like. It looked like he had a cleft lip that they tried to fix, but it didn't work. It just looks a mess, right? So now, not only is the movie's pacing wrong, some of the uh, story elements are, are bland, but now you have a Superman who looks goofy. He just looks stupid. Um, 
so now it just looks funny it's just it was a mess it was a it was a mess it, it made a little bit of money but i don't think it made enough to really turn a profit um so it was basically you know it was bombed so what that led to was it led to aquaman coming out and aquaman is barely connected to the justice league film um even the director uh, james wan and zack snyder has even said they're not really sure where the aquaman movie fits into the dc timeline shazam had came out you know a bunch of other, other projects that came out that were basically just now made to stand alone they weren't made to connect to the justice league continuity um continuity um because it just it just didn't make sense it was it was a mess so you now you have all these standalone dc films but they're making money, right? They're they're successful. Um, Joker was great, you know, rated R, beautiful film, um, but it stands alone. It's not connected to anything. You have the new Batman movie coming out that looks fantastic. Uh, that's like two or three years away now because of COVID, but nothing is connecting to Justice League. So then, I don't know how it starts. I can't remember. I don't know if Zack Snyder did a tweet or if somebody basically just said, you know, is there is there a Zack Snyder cut to Justice League? And Zack Snyder kind of fueled the fire by saying there was there was a cut after someone had brought it up. Again, I can't remember. I'm not a reporter. Um, but at that point, people were like, well, well, dang, if there's a Zack Snyder Justice League cut, I want to see it. So, you know, he starts, you know, basically flirting with people on Twitter saying that, you know, well, th this uh, this character would have been in it. This character would have been in it. This story would have been in it. It, it would have been like this It would have been like that and it got people really going because people was like well dang that sounds a lot better than what we got like we want that so then it became a hashtag trend release the snyder cut where's the snyder cut and warner brothers wasn't wasn't phased by it They're like there was no snyder cut what you got is what you got but the hype continues to build now you have henry cavill who doesn't want to be superman anymore he's saying release the snyder cut you have ben affleck who doesn't want to be batman anymore because these movies were trash now he's saying release the snyder cut you got gal gadot who plays one woman now she's saying Lisa Snyder cut so now you got people who were in your movies who are saying hey there's a Snyder cut it needs to be released so it kind of like put the squeeze on to Warner Brothers so they were like okay we'll talk with Zack Snyder so then last year it gets revealed that hey there's a Snyder cut coming here's some of the here's some of the elements that's going to be in the story so it's a brand new film basically it's the same movie you just watched but the way it was supposed to be so it goes from being I think a little under two hours to being over four hours, but it's everything the director wanted. It's the story he wanted to tell. The appropriate aspect ratio, which actually is a very big deal in certain movies. It had um, the, the characters that he wanted to include in it. It had the storyline he wanted. And there's so much right in this movie where I hated Justice League. But once I started watching Zack Snyder's Justice League, I was like, damn, this is such a better movie. The character development alone. Cyborg is like this emotionalist, stoic, um, you know, machine in the regular Justice League movie that to me, it just never felt like Cyborg, right? It didn't feel like the Victor Stone that I grew up on watching from Teen Titans and reading the comics. It didn't feel like him, right? So, and I kind of understood it. You know, he's depressed. He just became Cyborg, but it was like, show us that. And this movie makes, to me, it makes Cyborg the main character where, you know, it shows 
who he was before he was cyborg it shows his connection with his mother it shows his strained relationship with his father it shows how he sees and views himself as this monster but he wants to be you know he wants to do good it shows that he has all this power where he can bring back you know empire or bring down empires if he wanted to set off nuclear missiles if he wanted to it really it really blows up cyborg and it, it changes his story you know I, I won't ruin it you know for the most part you know because some people still haven't seen it um again it's a four-hour movie like if you you're gonna have to either invest some time or watch it piece by piece but you know it just it really just showed him or showed us you know the true cyborg and again he wasn't you know yelling out booyah and being as funny as he was on the show you know he wasn't comedy relief but i understood his stoic nature more because it shows the the, the conflict between his human side and his now mechanical self and it was just it was beautiful to show the movie gave more depth to barry allen um i mean you knew about barry i mean you, you could tell you know he's he's lonely he's an outcast you know he's just trying to uh you know progress through life so he can you know clear his dad's name it, it, it showed that um in justice league but in this one it just goes more into showing it where barry's working multiple jobs you know it shows him being late you know and it's it's funny because a lot of y'all don't read comics and it's fine and you know it is what it is and you can say you read comics but a lot of you still don't read them because i be having debates with y'all on the internet and i can tell y'all right now y'all do not read comics probably like four of y'all actually read comics the rest of y'all everything y'all know about superheroes comes from the cw and imax theaters but it's okay i still love y'all but that's why i'm here so in the comics Barry is constantly late, right? Even in the old, old cartoon, I think, in the Just League cartoon, Barry was constantly showing up late. And it's funny because the man that's the fastest man on earth, you would think he would be on time for everything. You think, like, if I got to be at work at 8 o'clock, I'm going to leave my house at 7.57 and still be at work on time. But Barry is constantly late in this movie. Um, even that is a, a small little detail. But it's just... I'm getting kind of off topic, but basically what I'm saying is this movie did a very good job of developing backstory for, for everyone. So, um, you know, it added, you know, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, Martian Manhunter is in the film. And uh, even seeing him in all his CGI glory, he, he didn't look perfect. You know, he, he could have been cleaned up a little bit, but I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, because the original promotional material for the uh, Justice League movie was Unite the Seven. But in the movie, there's only six Justice League members. So to show the Martian Manhunter as potentially being the seventh member was was pretty nice. So all in all, watch Justice League. Watch it's four hours. I think it's six total parts. So if you need to take some breaks, take some breaks. Uh, but it's very, very much worth the watch. Only issue I had with the movie is the epilogue. So after the six part event, there's an epilogue. And most of it is... Um, uh, it, it, it's it's regarding the the timeline where I guess just the, the Justice League fails. Um, apparently, um, Superman goes rogue. Heroes, villains—they're all like coming together as one team to kind of like stop Superman. It looks like Darkseid has won, so it's like an apocalyptic future, which is probably going to get erased with Flash traveling through time. The biggest thing I hated about this, right, the whole scene, it, it seemed like it was just setting up a sequel that we probably never will get, but I hated Jared Leto. I 
hate Jared Leto's Joker. I cannot stand Jared Leto's Joker. I don't like his take. I don't like the aesthetic behind it. Um, I don't like him. I don't like how hard he tries to force his character. Um, his laugh is the most annoying laugh I've ever heard for a Joker. And it's just, it's just really, really hard for me to like. Um, you know, my boys try to tell me Jared Leto's Joker's phenomenal. I'm not hearing it. I see it. You know, everybody try to tell me, oh, the reason Jared Leto's Joker wasn't that good in Suicide Squad is because he barely had any screen time. Okay, well, he gets like 10 minutes of screen time in this one little epilogue, and it's trash. All of it sucks. So that I could have lived without. I, I could have went through this whole film without having Jared Leto's Joker kind of thrown in there. It just... The dynamic between like this is the first time we've seen batman and joker on film together since 2008's the dark knight you know rest in peace heath ledger and for it to be this long of time you know 12 years 13 years or whatever since we've actually seen it it was just underwhelming you know it wasn't something that i i i didn't i didn't like it it wasn't needed i just I hate Jared Leto's portrayal. If they would have had somebody else, if they would have had Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix did a great job as the Joker. Um, hell, even the dude from the the Gotham TV show did a great job as the Joker. I just, I just cannot, I can't buy into Jared Leto's Joker. Uh, Jared Leto's a great actor in his own right. It's just the Joker was not for him. I, I just can't get into it. Um, but that's the only real flaw. Him and I don't like uh, Amy Adams as Lois Lane. I think she. Uh, she's not right for the role that's, that's just my personal opinion i think the the to me watching it i don't see the chemistry between henry cavill's clark kent and lois lane uh being portrayed by amy adams i don't see it i don't feel it um so yeah that, but that's just me some people love it some people don't i'm one of the ones that uh that just don't like it but all in all the movie's great um nine out of ten um, if you enjoy DC films, if you enjoy character development, if you enjoy Zack Snyder's feel on films, this is perfect. This is a great, great movie. Like I say, it has some flaws. That's why I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. But it is, for what it is, it's it's great to see. And I'm hoping, I'm really, really hoping this sets a new trend in, um, in, in with with big budget films where the directors themselves that the studios are hiring to create, hopefully they can actually be able to do more of their own art and their own creating. You know, I understand it's a brand. You have superheroes, Marvel, DC, whatever. You know, it, it's a brand that you have to like follow, you know, especially with Marvel. It's an intricate story that you have to like, you know, there's certain things you have to do and hit on because it's, you know, one big story plot. But I like it when creators can literally create and this shows that Zack Snyder's vision was better for Justice League than what Warner Brothers vision was so again if you ain't got HBO Max get HBO Max check this out if you got a fire stick you got to get Justice League downloaded whatever you got to do to watch this thing watch it it is it's very much worth it uh it's just a long experience but it's worth it like I say I don't mind sitting through a four-hour film if I'm entertained for the whole four hours now if it was dry if it was stale if it was boring if it was the original justice league movie but stretched out for four hours i would have hated it but all in all like i say this is great all y'all need to see it so moving on i want to speed through these last two things we'll talk about wandavision and then we'll hit on falcon and the Winter soldier so disney is doing this new thing right they got disney plus and it's it's a it's a great idea great concept you know everything that disney creates produces and owns and whatnot is on disney plus you know there's going to have uh, specialty films, specialty movies that are only on Disney Plus, TV shows that you can only watch on Disney Plus. 
but even though I thought the this uh, this platform was gonna be banging when it first came out, it does get old after a while. Because once you've seen some Disney films, you're just like, okay, I, I want more than just Disney. So Disney Plus, I wouldn't say was suffering, but it was getting kind of boring when you only had like The Mandalorian to watch. So when WandaVision came out, it was finally like a breath of fresh air. Like we finally have something new to watch on, on Disney Plus. And WandaVision was worth it for the most part. A lot of people hated the pacing. They said it was real slow in the beginning, which it was supposed to be. You know, it wasn't supposed to be this fast, high octane, you know, edge of your seat type of show. It was more story plot and driven. Um, but it was still a, a pretty decent show. Um, it left a lot of questions. So I loved it until the finale. The finale, it was a decent finale. Don't get me wrong. It's just there was a lot of questions that I still have that need to be answered. There's a lot of things that they hinted towards and kind of hit on. And then it kind of just left it there. I mean, um, everybody thought Mephisto it, you know, was going to pop up. And for those who don't know, Mephisto is Marvel's devil, basically. Um, and he never shows up. So it was like they were teasing you just to give you blue ball after the season finale. But all in all, all in all, the show was not bad. Um, I think Elizabeth Olsen did very well um, in showing like the, the the deepness of Wanda's character. Uh, she's struggling with depression and anxiety. You know, her mental health is breaking. Uh, so they did a very good job showing that. Uh, I, I believe um, everyone who's in this in the show, I, I think, played their part well. Uh, Monica Rambo, my God, my God. Marvel Marvel hit a home run in casting this woman, uh, Tiana Paris. Um, I believe it's Paris. It might be Paris, but I think it's Paris. Um, regardless, the gorgeous, flawless, the hair, the, oh, everything. Look, that's like 30% of the best part of the show. So um, her leading into Photon Spectrum, whatever they want to call it. Monica Rambeau's character is amazing in this show. Um, and it's beautiful because like it's a black woman, it's a curvy black woman, it's a black woman with natural hair. They don't try to like dim it down. They don't try to like make her look artificial. You know, they have black hairstylists on set. So it's like her hair gets to be natural and free and not like constricted to like the normal beauty norms. And this is, it's beautiful to see. But um, all that aside, the show was great. Uh, I did have a problem with them casting Evan Peters into the show because um, for one reason, Evan Peters played Quicksilver in the X-Men movies which marvel now owns so it was a little confusing because we've already had a quicksilver in the marvel universe played by aaron taylor johnson and you know he's dead died in uh he died in age of ultron and then you bring evan peters who played quicksilver who was you know wanda's brother and it's like okay what are we doing are we mixing movie are we mixing the x-men movies with the, with the disney movies what are we doing and all of that was for nothing he was just an actor named ralph boner so it was like Marvel was playing with us and I don't like I didn't like that I was like this could have been so much better it could have been prepared better it could have been done better and executed better but we just got this so to me that was kind of trash but all in all the show was exciting um every week it leaves you on this cliffhanger where you're like damn what's happening next well you know what like I have to get to Friday so I can see what's going on and uh like I say we, everybody had a lot of like uh, a lot of theories a lot of speculations that turned out to be incorrect because you know, like I say, Marvel uh, was teasing us on a lot of stuff just to send us home with some blue ball and uh, frustrations. But again, all in all, watch that show. Now, I really want to get into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think I'm going to enjoy Falcon and the Winter Soldier a lot more than I'm going to than I enjoyed WandaVision, only because Falcon and the Winter Soldier has more action involved in it. 
Uh, hell, episode one just came out, and my God, mwah, chef's kiss, it was beautiful. It starts with high octane action, you know, both with uh, Falcon's introduction, introduction in the show and even Bucky's introduction in the show. You know, there's just high octane action um, for both of them. It seems like there's a lot of racial undertones that's gonna take place this season. Um, again, I'm not gonna spoil the show, I'm just telling you my raw feelings after watching episode one. It just seems like there will be a lot of racial things implemented in the show. It might not be directly addressed, but you'll feel it. Like there's a there's one scene where uh, Falcon and his sister go visit a bank to get like a, a business loan. And long story short, you can kind of feel the racial tension in this scene. And again, it's not just said, it's not just blatantly put out there, but you can actually feel it. And uh, you know, the show is doing a great job with wrestling or with, 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 with grasping the, the struggle between um, good Bucky Barnes and bad Winter Soldier. You know, like he's healed now. He's, you know, he's not the Winter Soldier, but, you know, he still has to deal with all the things that he's done in his past. So it comes to him in nightmares and little like, you know, thoughts throughout the day. And he's trying to right his wrongs. But it's like, damn, they did a really good job showcasing how like he, even though he's a good guy now, he's still struggling with the guilt of what he used to be. And I don't know, it's just, it's really beautiful how they did it. Um, I believe mutants are being introduced in the show. Uh, there's an enhanced individual at one point, And before the guy can tell Sam, he's like, do you think he's one of the, and they kind of cut it off. I think what they're leading towards is mutants exist in the MCU. They have always existed in the MCU, but now with um, the, the snap happening, the blip happening, I think you're gonna get more mutants coming out of hiding. So that's what I'm looking forward to is you're gonna have this extensive show where it's like a political, racial, superhero show, but there's also gonna be X-Men and mutants involved. Um, the show ends, uh, I mean, everybody probably knows by now, but it ends with the US agent who is the new Captain America. That's the whole theme of the show basically is the U.S. government has their own Captain America, you know, looks just like him almost, you know, white guy, blonde hair, big build, you know, it, it almost seems like America would rather rally behind this man, a white guy who kind of looks like Captain America, rather than rallying behind this black guy who, even though Captain America wanted him to be the next Captain America, the U.S. government can't stand behind this man. So again, a lot of racial undertones that are going to be in it. Um, but again, watch it. It's a great show. I'm actually going to watch it again um, probably tomorrow and, and uh, maybe maybe Sunday as well, just so you know I can just get a firm grasp on the show. And uh, like I say, it's, it's beautiful. If you don't have Disney Plus, get Disney Plus. Hell, you get a fire stick, jailbreak it. I'll walk you through it, but watch these shows. So I'm just going to wrap it up there. Let that be the, you know, the ending of this episode. Um, again, this season, we're going to talk about more things, more, you know, a broader horizon. I'm planning on the docket next week. I'm going to talk a little bit about NFL free agency, um, maybe find some paranormal stories. I really like the, the paranormal stuff. There's a lot of good paranormal things I want to bring to you guys. But um, NFL free agency is heating up. It's it's crazy. Uh, so and I'm an Eagles fan. For those who don't know, most of y'all know if you follow me on Twitter. But uh, I am a, I'm a huge Eagles fan. So I will talk a little bit about that uh, again. Um, also, next week, I will still talk about Falcon, the Wonder Soldier. I'll talk about episode two every week. I'll probably hit on that for a little bit or I might just make a separate podcast for the nerd stuff but um again if you hear something that you like you want me to discuss a certain topic hit me up you know follow me on twitter it's at i red herring y'all be blessed this week love somebody love on a black woman this week love on a black queen raise up a black king this week uh just continue to love one another man it's a tough time hard out there for all of us so just uh you know keep pushing keep persevering you know uh, don't give up the fight is uh the fight's better with you in it so 
Um, that's it for me. Uh, love y'all. Be easy. Be blessed. And uh, red out.